welcome to episode 68 of the Daniel Yours podcast, a solo episode on stretching. Let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I appreciate you being here. Just me today going to be talking about how and why we should be stretching. Now, I don't want to spend too much time trying to sell you on the fact that you should be stretching. In fact, just seeing as you clicked on this episode to listen to this, I don't think it's a stretch to say that you already buy in and acknowledge that you need to stretch. So no pun on there. No no one got that one. No, no laughs. Still no live audience. I have no idea if that one landed or not. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. Stretching, not the most exciting topic, uh, but it is a necessary one. It's something that's important to do for our general function. Uh, so great job for you, or great job to you for acknowledging that this is an important part of your health and fitness and life overall. And, uh, and that's it. We'll spend a little less time talking about the why and a little bit more time speaking about the how. Now, stretching and mobility work is simply one piece of this entire health and fitness puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle, certainly, neither is strength training, neither is just your diet, neither is cardio, neither is any one of the things. They're all little pieces that make up this giant puzzle to build an amazing, capable, uh, fit, athletic-looking body. Now, it doesn't have to take up any absurd amount of time, and it certainly doesn't need to replace anything either. Towards the end, I'll discuss some of the ways uh, that you can sort of sneak in stretching and mobility to your current routine without adding a significant amount of time, as that's typically you know one of the one of the biggest barriers. We always have to work in the context of our own life, and I know that you've heard me say that eight million times by now. But we've always got to do that. And one of the things that, or one of the resources when it comes to training that we are most limited in is time. You don't have 15 hours a day or 15 hours a week even to train. So is spending 30 minutes a day on your stretching reasonable? Not really, because we're not even spending 30 minutes a day really exercising. So, you know, we've got to take everything with a grain of salt and work it into what we can. So I will speak at, towards the end a little bit about how to more work this into your routine. Now, very quickly, uh, as far as the why, why do we need to stretch? helps us move our muscles through full ranges of motion, which is a good thing. We want to use what we have because it's not going to get any better as we age. It's only getting worse. So to sustain our mobility as we age is, of course, a good thing. If you if you have it now, you need to, you need to do whatever you can to keep it as long as you can so that you can get up off the toilet when you're 90 years old. You can put on your own shirt when you're you know, 90 years old and all of these things. We want to improve our, our ability to move our body through its fullest ranges of motions possible. Another reason to stretch, it provides some synovial fluid to joints. Synovial fluid is like lubrication for our joints. Stretching elicits some of that or, or allows some of that fluid to be released. Elicit is not the right word there, but whatever, one take. <laughs> stretching stretching allows some of that fluid to be released through uh, through movement. That that joint the synovial fluid is released through forces being applied to the muscles and to the joints. Stretching is a force, which we'll speak about in a second. Stretching is a force that allows this uh, fluid to be released, and that fluid provides lubrication to our joints, making us feel good. And this is part of what a warm up is, and all that kind of stuff. Muscles and ligaments and tendons they become stiff. You know we've all felt this before. Oh, my back is stiff today. My hamstrings are stiff today. My biceps are stiff today, whatever it is. And we want to make them feel loose. Now, of course, stretch or stiff and loose are not exactly anatomical terms or scientifically correct terms, but they're close enough to what we all feel and what we all understand to be true. Stiff muscles pull on other joints and other structures. So if you've got 
Well, think of it like this. You know, your muscles are, there's two muscles on either side of a joint and they do opposing actions. One pulls in one direction and one pulls in the opposite direction. If one of those muscles is stiff, it's pulling on that joint a lot in one direction. Now, that's going to cause some problems on the other side. It's going to be uncomfortable. It can cause some imbalances. And this is where injuries happen, where joints are being pulled disproportionately in one direction. Ideally, we want an equal amount of force and equal amount of pull on either side of the joints. And lastly, as far as like the why, more range of motion. And this, this might be more of, a, more of an aesthetic one if you, if you need the cell a little bit. But being a little bit more flexible, being a little bit more f- mobile allows us to do our regular strength training or your bodybuilding, whatever you want to call it, through a bigger range of motion, which allows you to add more muscle and add fuller muscle. So bodybuilders need to be flexible as well. If you want to have big muscles, you want to have full looking muscles, you want to have that long, lean, athletic looking body, you've got to be flexible so that you can put muscle all over the place in, in, and in the places that you specifically want to put it. So for all those reasons, that's why we've got to work on our stretching and has to be incorporated into everything we do, but doesn't have to be the only thing that we do. So having said that, you know, if you do one stretch a day for like 30 seconds, that's not really enough. You know, you don't have to do it every day for three hours, but one little thing here and there is not enough either. So we've got to be a little bit more intelligent about it. Now, before we talk about how to actually stretch, I'm going to quickly explain two concepts. One is tissue adaptation, and the second one is mobility versus flexibility, and these will make sense as we, as we go along here. So tissue adaptation. When we stretch, when we do anything, when we're, we're lifting weights, when we're doing whatever we're doing, even cardio work, we are trying to create adaptations in the tissues. Now, when we're lifting weights, we're trying to create adaptations in those muscles. If I'm doing a bicep curl, I'm trying to create an adaptation in my bicep, whether that be to add more size, add more strength, apply more force, apply more force more quickly, add more endurance, you know, whatever the case may be. Same goes for your heart. You're, you're using, you're doing some activity to use your heart muscle to create adaptations in that heart muscle and the associated structures. The same is true with stretching. We want to apply adaptations or we want to apply forces to these tissues. Therefore, they can create adaptations resulting in this case in greater flexibility. Now, there are two forces essentially that our muscles can understand and respond to. These are contracting or like squeezing or flexing your muscles. And the opposite force is stretching or lengthening of the muscles. With a contraction, the muscle is shortening, getting shorter in actual length, and it's exerting force. The muscle is pulling on structures, exerting force. This is the one key of it. With a stretch, which is the opposite, the muscle is lengthening, again, actually getting longer in in length, and it is resisting force. Think about if you hold a weight in your hand and your elbow's bent, as you lower your hand down to, stre- to straighten your arm, your bicep is stretching. Now, if your bicep wasn't working at all or didn't exist, your arm would just keep going and your elbow would smash into itself and you'd like break your elbow. So your bicep's got to do some work there to resist this. And the bicep muscle is resisting the force of gravity to slow down or mitigate the amount of lengthening that's happening in that muscle and, and joint. So it's doing work on both sides. So keep this in mind as we can use these forces to our advantage in regards to stretching to improve the amount of stretch we can get and improve our mobility afterwards. Having said that, 
flexibility versus mobility, the second concept here. These things, you can think of them like cousins, very closely related, some distinct differences. Neither is better or worse. They are just different things, and both are necessary and complement each other. Flexibility can be thought of as this. Can you put this part of your body into a certain shape or in a certain position? It's an external force, something that's happening to you. Here's an example. If you lay on your back and you're laid on your back on a table or something, you straighten your leg. I, the trainer or whoever it is, your friend, grab your leg as it's straightened and I try and push your leg back while keeping it straightened as far as it will go. That's stressing your hamstring. This is me actively pushing against your hamstring, but you yourself, your hamstring, your body is doing nothing. So this is passive for you. Now, this maximum position that I can put your hamstring into, that's flexibility. That's how you can think of it. Mobility, on the other hand, it can be thought of as the control and the strength that you have at the ends of your flexibility. If we go back into that lying down example, stretching the hamstring, your mobility would be how far can you bring your leg up and back while keeping your leg straight, stretching on that hamstring, but you're doing all the motion, nobody's pulling or pushing on you. This is an internal force production of the structures that would have to produce force to bring your leg back and keep your leg in that position. And so therefore mobility is active. And these, this is the easiest way to uh, distinguish between flexibility and mobility. Now that we understand these two concepts, how can we use this to stretch more effectively? I'm going to have to take several sips of water breaks in, during this one because I got my wisdom tooth out last week and like my mouth is mostly healed, but I just, it gets very dry and whatever, but just excuse the little pauses if you hear me drinking more than usual. Uh, what was I saying? Ah, yes. Yeah, so we can, uh, how do we use all these things, these concepts to stretch more effectively? Now, there are infinite ways to stretch all parts of our body. There's not really like a right way as far as technique. Oh, you must be in this position. You must be at this angle, this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't really exist. You and I might do the same type of stretch. It might, you know, look more or less the same, but we're going to be at different angles and that's fine. And this is because different things are going to be tight on different people. So if me doing the stretch, I need to be, you know, straight on 90 degrees or whatever, that might be, that might work for me. For you, you get into that same position at 90 degrees of whatever joint structure it is, doesn't even matter. And you just don't really feel the stretch there, but you know, you turn your knee out a little bit. And so you make it like a 95 degree angle type of thing. And like, that's where you start to feel it. That's the thing that is the line of pull that needs to be stretched for you that's okay. There's not really a right or wrong way to, to go about this. So how do we stretch kind of step-by-step thing? Get into the stretch. We'll use like a seated hamstring stretch where you're sitting on the, sitting on the ground, legs are straight, and you're bending over trying to touch your toes as, as an example for all this, just because that's familiar and easy to picture. So you sit on the ground, you bend forward, you try and touch your hamstring, you work on the angles that work for you. You find the angle that feels right, whether your leg is turned out, toes turned in, toes turned out in this in this example or whatever the case is for other stretches. Get into the position, find the angles that work for you, lean into it and make sure that you're actually stretching what you want to be stretching. Again, in this example, if you're trying to stretch your hamstrings, which you are, don't just fold over your back and like try and touch your, you know, your your sternum to your belly button because that's 
that's bending your back. And while that is that might be a, a good stretch for different things, it's not really moving your hamstring because your hamstring is not your spine. So you would want to be you know a little bit more flat backed, a little bit more pushing your torso forward so that you're lengthening the hamstring. So you know some base anatomy knowledge of like where muscles go and just using a little bit of logic, not even anatomy, but just understand like your hamstring is in the back of your leg. So how do I elongate the back of my knee to the back of my hip? My spine is neither of those things. So yes, your spine will round a little bit, but make sure you're getting the actual structure that you're trying to get. Now, here's the next step. Once you're in this position, hold it for two minutes. I know that sounds like a lot. I know it's a little bit against convention. We've all just been taught like, oh, hold the stretch for 30 seconds. We're all super tight. So obviously, like it's not, hasn't been working. Uh, it's just not enough time of communication, right? This this two minutes has been shown in the research and anecdote that this is about how long it takes for the tissues to relax. Going back to the concept of the tissue adaptations, we're using the stretch force here to speak to the tissues, right? Tissues don't speak languages. They don't know 10 reps, 30 seconds. It doesn't understand that. It understands force. So we're using the stretch force to speak to the tissues to create some change. It needs a sufficient amount of stimulus, a sufficient amount of force to create change. If you think of it like a like a conversation, a fast conversation is not enough to get across the information that you need to get across. It's like this podcast. Like if I just, I did post something on Instagram that's like this, but it's not enough to actually do all the things. It's just a little, uh, you know, sneak peek, a little snack, and it's enough to change something, but not really create some lasting positive change. So we've got to have this podcast conversation to actually get the whole point across. Same thing with the stretch. You got to you got to give it that 2 minutes and be patient through it and and let it have enough communication, let the joint and the structures and the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons let it all have enough communication to actually create some change, which is what we want. Now, during this 2 minutes, it's going to feel tight, of course. You want to continue to lean into it and whatnot, and you're going to want to hold your breath. This is just a natural inclination, a natural reaction that we kind of tense up and we hold our breath when, we, when something gets tight and you don't want to do that. It's very important to actually not do that while you're breathing. There is a neurological component to stretching where sometimes our body doesn't like change. It likes to stay where it is. And so stretching is creating this change. And so because it doesn't want to change, it, it's almost like a defense mechanism to say, don't move there, don't go there. Now, holding the breath this is almost like a fear response, a panic response. Maybe that's a little bit of an extreme term, but it can be thought of as like a panic response. By breathing, by exhaling, by controlling your breath and allowing it to be normal, this is like a signal, quote unquote, to your brain, which then sends that signal to the muscles that this position is okay, we are okay to be here, we want to be here, and now the tissues can start to relax and you can lean into it more. This is, this is, you'll, you'll hear this in yoga all the time. If you've ever done a yoga class to exhale as you stretch and every exhale you deep, you, you go a little bit deeper into the stretch. You inhale, you go exhale a little bit deeper into the stretch. And so you want to do that too, right? These yoga yogis, they figured this out thousands of years ago and they didn't know the science of how or why or what it is, but it turns out that it's true. And so, so do that. So call it yoga, call it whatever you want, uh, regular stretching either way. You got to breathe through the stretching, and that is extremely important. As you get deep, as you get more comfortable, trying it a little bit deeper into that stretch with every exhale, like the yogis again, and and throughout the course of this two minutes, try and push it just a little bit, but not not overly pushing it. Still within reasonable range. Now, 
the last part of this at the end of the two minutes. And this is probably the most important part, but a little bit more advanced. So if you're like totally new to stretching, wouldn't really start with this. If you're totally new to exercise and don't have great control of your body, wouldn't start with this next step, but it's important when you get there. That two minutes has passed. You're folded over. Your hamstrings are very stretched. You're breathing. You're in control. Now you want to exert some force here. You can start by simply trying to flex the muscle that you're stretching while not letting it move. This is called an isometric contract contraction in the fully stretched position. In the example of our hamstring, it's it's difficult to just flex muscles. Like it's it's more intuitive, let's say, like with our biceps or maybe with your forearms or something like that, because you can feel it with your hands and our hands just have we're better, more dexterity with our hands typically. But with our legs, it's a little bit harder to squeeze just individual structures. So what you want to do with the hamstring example is like drive your heel into the ground with a straight leg as you're in that fully stretched position. This would be a way to just get the hamstring stretching and, and kind of trick yourself in while you're pushing against the ground. It's an isometric contraction because you're not going to move the ground, obviously. So you're still squeezing that hamstring. Now, one key here is that you need to slowly ramp up this contraction. Don't go from like fully relaxed, fully stretched to a max effort, maximum uh, maximum flexion, maximum flexing that muscle in one second. Ramp it up, kind of, you know, 10%, 25%, 50%, 75%, and then get to 100 And you squeeze really hard, as hard as you can there. This technique may be something you have heard of. It's been, giving, been given many different names that are all, you know, done slightly differently, but basically all the same principle, PNF, pails and rails, somebody, some people might even call it like loaded stretching. It doesn't matter. It's all using the same principles of getting into a stretched position and then exerting maximal force in that stretched position. Now, remember the the two types of contractions or the two types of forces, contractions and stretches. This contraction is now exerting a force via, like by shortening the muscle or attempting to shorten the muscle. So it's sending more force, more signal through that muscle, which is then creating more change. This force generation, this active force generation, helps to build strength in the end ranges. And this signal or force production, it will tell the body to create more tissue and allow this range to be accessible at all times, which, if you recall, is how we build our mobility, is being able to put our muscles there and our bodies there by our own forces without using gravity or external someone pushing on you or a tool or something to pull you into that position. So you're building strength, you're building contractile strength in these positions now. This also builds this control and stability in these end positions. Think about any athletic injuries or just injuries in general. We never really get injured in the in the middle range where something is just in its normal range of motion. You always get injured at the end ranges when something becomes too stretched or or too shortened either either side. So if we can expand those end ranges and make them longer and then also improve the strength at those end ranges then the risk of injury goes down injuries happen when the forces exerted on those tissues exceed the force that those tissues are capable of so if we can increase the force that those tissues are capable of again we decrease risk for injury again this is how we create and train mobility in in a couple cent in a couple words get to end ranges produce force there. If you've been following me on Instagram for a little while, you know that I was doing a whole like mobility phase of training and I kept saying this and this is more of what I meant. You put your body in positions at the end ranges and then you exert force through there and build strength in those end ranges. Now to wrap that side of things up, once you hit 
the greatest safest contraction you flex that hamstring you're driving your heel into the ground the hamstring is fully stretched you're you're, you're probably holding your breath here because you're tensing up quite quite a bit and that's okay you can probably only hold this for like a few seconds like maybe 10 seconds max if you, if you can do that then just relax get out of the stretch and then you're done don't try and hold that for another two minutes you just you, you hold it for the two minutes you squeeze the muscle you flex it as hard as you can you hold it for five to ten seconds whatever however long you can and then you relax you let go you breathe you get out of the position and you move on to whatever else you are doing next now this is what we just described is what we call a static stretch where we're not moving there's not any dynamic ability or dynamic movement that's happening here which is what we'd call dynamic stretching Static stretching is pretty much the best, pretty well the best way to train flexibility and and mobility to to an extent. Mobility is more of an expression of it, uh, expression of the static stretches. But dynamic stretching is probably something you've heard of, and maybe even in the context of like, you know, you shouldn't do static stretching only don't only dynamic, or that you should only do dynamic stretching before workouts, which is partly true. But dynamic stretching isn't really training. As it's more of an expression of the current mobility as a than it is a way to improve it. Dynamic stretching isn't holding any any poses or any positions. You're moving through positions, and so you're you're displaying that flexibility and utilizing the mobility you have and kind of expanding on it. Dynamic stretches are great before workouts as part of your warm up. I use them all the time. Good for increasing blood flow, pump some synovial fluid again, and actually warm up the joints and tissues because you're moving. It's actually creating movement force, which which creates heat in the joints. And part of your warming up is actually warming up the temperature of the body. This should definitely be done. Dynamic stretches are valuable, not that great for improving your flexibility. Dynamic stretches have a very strong place in your warm up. And getting into detail on this is kind of a whole separate podcast on warm up. So I'll kind of save that. Um, but yeah, not that useful for improving your improving your flexibility which doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. One other way that you can kind of think of this is if you're doing just a pure mobility session, you're going to do an hour of just mobility work. You kind of start with the static static stretches. I keep saying stratic. I've probably said that 15 times. Static stretches, as we described earlier, and then you work on the dynamic stretches afterwards and continue to advance them and get into those crazy shapes and produce more force there and load them using progressive overload because when we're training this, it's not just we sit here and hold it and then go away and forget about it. We've got to train this. So the dynamic stretches can also be thought of as like exercises themselves um, and and more expressions of mobility. These are the, you know, the videos you see online of people get into crazy shapes and doing like wicked mobility stuff. Like these are just all dynamic stretches taken to the nth degree kind of thing. Now, as far as the programming of this goes, how to fit it into, you know, your current routine or add it into your routine if it's not already. This all kind of sounds like a lot of time and effort and like very specific, like I've already been talking about 20 minutes about how to do one stretch. Is it really that complicated? No, it's not. <laughs> I know that you don't need to spend three hours a day stretching. You don't want to and you don't have to either. Again, everything's got to be done in the context of your own life. You don't have 15, 20 hours a week to train. You've got a couple hours. So is it really a good use of your time or the best use of your time to spend half of that time stretching or like even 30 minutes of that time? Like that's 25%. Like that's a lot of time. This takes away from the strength work, the cardio work and all the rest of it. I, I tend to believe that this is not like spending a lot of time doing static stretching, 
not the best use of your time, but is valuable. I'm more of a fan of trying to move the big rocks in, in all of our training. Of course, you're not going to become a pro athlete or have like some elite, you know, cover model physique by spending time, by not spending time on the little things, but like you're also not trying to do that. So something's got to give, right? My train, my take on training arms in any little stuff is kind of the same way. It's like if you're only working out two to three times a week, it's kind of a waste of time to do any bicep or tricep isolation work given the limited training time you have. Like you're you're doing that one exercise of biceps, but you could be doing rows instead, which are still doing your biceps and still working on your back and working on your posture and just hitting so many more things all at once. Like doing that isolation work and stretching included it's very isolated. So it's only doing one thing at a time. Now it might improve your stretching and your flexibility faster, but at the detriment of other things. So we kind of have to find ways to work in everything and kind of kill two birds or three birds with one stone type of thing. That said, it's not a total waste of time. I would still spend a small amount of time work uh, working on your stretching every session i would even like just pick one muscle per workout if you're training three times a week probably the things that would be most tight for most people probably stretch your hamstrings probably stretch your hip flexors and your chest and you can do pick one of those each workout this will take no more than five minutes at the absolute maximum you stretch those two minutes exert the force do the whole thing and then you move on with your regular workout probably do it after your warm-up before you start the workout or you could do it after the workout. Again, this is splitting hairs. It's not really making a whole lot of difference, but it's good to it's good to do. And again, takes literally no more than five minutes. So you have time for that in, in your workout. Now, here's the best part. And the way that I really like to use stretching and implement it in in your training program. During your workout, you should always train with full ranges of motion. <laughs> Anyone who's trained with me in person or my online clients or whatever, or you follow me on social media and all that stuff, you know that I'm a huge stickler for this. Like always train with full range of motion. Of course, of course, there are times when that is not useful, but that's a different scenario altogether. When you're doing split squats and like full split squats, full range of motion, split squats, RDLs, even bench pressing rows, regular squats, like literally every exercise. If you're using full range of ranges of motion, that means that you're getting to those joints and those muscles, active ranges of motion. Therefore, you're still working on your mobility and you're exerting forces here against the load. So in a way, it's almost even better. It's just not actually better because you're not spending as much time. You're not doing the two minutes. You're not doing, it's not as specific. It's like a second per set. So if you're doing split squats, you're getting that full knee bend. You do, you know, four sets of 10, that's maybe 40 seconds in that end range. It's not as much time. Whereas if you did like a whole stretch thing on it, you might, you might accumulate like 10 minutes of time in that session. So that's how it's not better, but it is, it is great for, it is great for exerting the force and getting into those end ranges with control, building up that mobility, building up that flexibility. We've said this before, but, or or, or earlier, just a few minutes ago, but this is not going to have these drastic effects, but it's kind of good enough to do a bit while also working on the other things that you're trying to work on, your strength, your hypertrophy, your conditioning, etc. It all ties together. It all comes together to build you up to that, you know, the strongest, most, most athletic, most capable, most aesthetic body that you're trying to achieve. You're not going to become a super bendy circus performer this way, but you know, you're also not trying to do that. So who cares? You'll slowly be better, slowly become better 
than you were yesterday, which is which is the whole point. I don't typically do like a whole lot of stretching with my in-person clients or my online clients for this exact reason. We just don't have enough time. If I'm seeing you two times a week, I'm not going to spend 15 minutes out of our out of our one hour session, just doing static stretches. Like that's not, that's not what you're here for. So we've got to find ways to do this. And yet every single one of my clients since forever has always told me how much more flexible and mobile they become. And it's like confusing to them because like we don't spend a lot of time, quote unquote, stretching, except that we do. They just don't realize that it's stretching because we are always training through full ranges of motion and being very particular at that. I'm not increasing weights until we can control the motion throughout the entire range of motion and and that's that's the most effective way i think to do this so stretching can be something that you can like dedicate an entire day to if you want there's nothing wrong with that at all you just have to understand what the trade offs are if you're going to spend one of your 3 hours of exercise time dedicated to stretching well what are you taking away are you sacrificing your cardio work and and if so is that good is that worth it for you if so then continue if not then you know i think we need to find some more um more efficient ways to do it. And this, you know, training through full ranges of motion and pushing the end ranges safely, of course. You don't need to bend your shoulder behind your, you know, wrapping your shoulder around your spine and, and bending your elbows all the way back and like doing crazy stuff where you're using like, you know, two pounds. You know, it has to be within reason, but you should always try to change train through full ranges of motion. That's the that's the most effective way without really zeroing in on this stuff to improve your flexibility and improve your mobility and improve your strength through that decrease injury risk, all that good stuff that we're all trying to do all the time, whether you really think about it or not, just because it's not that tangible, it's not that like sexy, but we all want to do it in that feeling of like, oh, my body starts to feel better, feels looser. Like that's what this feeling is. That feeling of, oh, things are just feeling better, but I'm not like necessarily seeing more muscle or more whatever, or less fat or something like that. That feeling of feeling better, that's improved mobility, improved flexibility, improved control. So Everything that uh, you know we spoke about here should be a, a good framework to start to use some of these strategies in your own training to improve your own flexibility and feel better overall. If you have more questions, something still unclear, please uh, you know feel free to reach out, ask me. I'm always always available, and I'll never not answer someone. Uh, and if you really want to take things to the next level, I'd love to work with you in a one-on-one setting on this stuff, whether uh, in person, if you're in Vaughan or Toronto or online. So head over to the coaching page on my website. I'll put the link in the show notes and send me a message and we'll get started on that. The most important thing here is that like all of the training stuff that we've ever talked about, you've got to do what works best for you, your needs and your goals. And most importantly, most importantly, it only works if you actually do it. So after you finish listening to this episode, share it with a friend, then give the podcast a rating review on iTunes, Spotify, and all the places that helps so much. And then actually go do the things that we spoke about here. Improve your flexibility, improve your health, improve your body overall. And that's that. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Train hard, rest hard, go outside, be a good person, and we'll chat soon. <laughs>